I'm Michelle and I'm back for season two of Get Mouthy from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. Talking about cancer is important, but it doesn't have to be dull or depressing. So join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked to the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. So today I'm speaking with Ryan Riley, who is a celebrity chef and TV personality. You you may have seen him on TV. His mother's cancer journey inspired him to use his culinary skills to support her and, um, you know, going forward to other cancer patients. But as well as being all those amazing, wonderful things, he's also a lovely, lovely guy and a friend of the charity. And we're so sort of keen to to have him connected with us. Um, We're really proud of the stuff that he does as well. So that's, I've given you a massive fanfare there so <laughs> it's really good to have you on Ryan thank you so much I'm delighted to be here um good. you know I think it's such an important thing that you say that um my culinary journey was inspired because it was and I think what's really important to so many people is um cancer and food food's often overlooked isn't it as a sort of yeah. like secondary thing to survivorship but um as we were talking just before the podcast about how food is actually I think one of the most important things yeah and um, yeah, I'm always very, very keen to connect with people, especially in the head and neck cancer space, because it's a really difficult journey when you're it when is. you're going through that. And you know, you taught me a lot about that. All the stuff we've talked about over the years. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just really delighted to be here to talk about good. it. Good. It's good because yeah, with um, one of the things I note from talking with um with surgeons even is they've said one surgeon said to me, you know, I don't even we don't even sort of discuss that bit with the patient you know like what's going to happen afterwards and the likelihood that they are going to find it very difficult because it's too much and at that point the patient's just thinking am I going to survive they're not thinking I'm going to survive but I'm going to be left with a mouth that maybe makes me struggle um, to eat so it, it's just a really important thing and then the other thing is it's so sociable and at a time when people may have you know, a facial disfigurement or finding it difficult to eat, they may feel that they might want to join, you know, join the, their families and everything to sort of um, for dinner and, and to, to eat together, which is such a sociable thing. And I know for me, my family, we're Asian family. Food is so important to us. To It's it's when we all get together, which is often because we're all around the corner from each other. Um, food plays a big part of that. It doesn't matter what we're eating, but it's a big part of our sort of cultural getting together. So it's just really key to it. So we talked about your mum before. Um, but what sort of inspired you to become a chef? Were you chefing before that? No. No, no. See, I wasn't in food at all. Um, Kimberly and I, who's my co-founder at Life Kitchen, like she lost her mother when she was 15. I lost mine when I was 20. And we both kind of through a series of really cool circumstances. That's when my mother died. Um, I won £28,000 at a casino three wow. weeks after. I know, it's crazy. Um, and we used <laughs> that to move to and it just was one of those crazy life things where we'd, I'd just been through this tragedy and then we just got all of this winnings. And I was like, what do I do with this? And I thought, I don't want to be in the Northeast anymore. And, you know, the bit of advice they always give you, don't make big decisions after a death. Oh, obviously, yeah. I went completely the other way. <laughs> I was like, let's move to London. And I paid our rent upfront there for a year. And we took a couple of years just bedding in, figuring out who we were as people. And we fell into food by cooking Jamie Oliver's books. So every Sunday we would cook a Jamie, we call it Jamie Sundays, which yeah. would be just one of those little things. We'd have a glass of champagne, cook um, cook some food. And that's how we taught ourselves. It was completely, completely wow. accident. Wow. Um, and we just loved it. 
and we ended up then opening a food stall in, in Camden in London and we had no clue what we were doing we didn't really have any experience but I did that for two years and it was fun it was interesting it made zero money like none at all um, yeah. but it we fall in love with food and I went on then to work at food magazines like Sainsbury's and Waitrose and and it gave me such a huge food education and that was the moment that it became apparent to me that I could start Life Kitchen because I was thinking always about my mother's experiences you know in the last year of her life what was happening how was she feeling and um, you know as a way of processing my grief I guess yeah uh, I just had this idea I was thinking my mother really struggled with food in the last year I was like I mm. now work how can I now take that experience, my new skills, and make it something? And Life Kitchen was born from that very moment. And it went on to become incredibly successful um, and incredibly scary as well. Yeah. Wow, what an amazing journey. And it's quick. I can't, like, as in quick, as in the last sort of bit, it all coming together and the book being so incredibly successful. Um, so just for listeners who might not know, what, um, what, other sort of difficulties that cancer patients and not talking specifically about because oh, it might be a bit more obvious with head and neck cancer patients but what are the sort of issues that cancer patients have mostly it is all about um taste loss for a lot of them um you know the saliva production but mostly it's taste loss mostly it's people are eating and it doesn't taste like anything or taste bitter and metallic and it just kind of is an unenjoyable experience and going yeah. back to you said about the isolation and not wanting to eat around people that for us has been our biggest you know our biggest find in this people say to us all the time um I used to sit down with my family and eat but now I can't taste it I'm uninterested so I feel myself withdrawing from them they mm. eat I have a snack just because I'm hungry not because I taste it and I become separated and then I suddenly don't want to go to restaurants I don't want to go to bars I don't want to go to family parties mm. and this whole a microcosm of isolation becomes a thing. Um, yeah. So Life Kitchen is all about trying to get the flavour and enjoyment back and nothing else. We weren't looking at nutrition because there's loads of incredible nutrition advice out there and everyone's mm. done that. But what no one ever focuses on is whether the person is enjoying it. Enjoying that food, yeah. If you don't enjoy it, it's as simple as that. My right now, um, she's just got over bowel cancer, she's got a stoma bag, she's absolutely devastated about the whole thing, she doesn't eat anymore at all, um, you know, she got really, really ill a few weeks ago because of that, and, and just trying to convince her to eat again, when I take her meals, she eats them, and that's about it, yeah. but she, she's a nan, she, she feels the pressure of, oh, I don't want my grandson having to cook for me, so there's so many pressures that people feel, in yeah. so many different and it's absolutely crazy, really. And it all stems down to, is it tasty? Which is a yeah. crazy thing to think of. But it's basically flavour and food are the most interconnected things possible. So what makes your recipes easier to eat and be more enjoyable for patients? You talked about the sort of, um, you know, like the, the actual tastiness of it. Yeah. Um, so there's so, that. And then is there things to do with textures and stuff like that as well? Yeah, yeah, but um, for the taste side, we focus on the five taste buds. So we 
focus on um, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. Now, umami is the key to everything we do in Life Kitchen. It's um, Umami means savouriness in Japanese. Yeah. Um, it was about a 19 discovery. It's one of our taste buds. It's one of the most unknown taste buds. But umami basically is the savouriness in soy sauce, in mushrooms, in cheese. It's that richness in meat. So it's all about getting all those really strong, powerful flavours. And if there's mm. one take to take away from the podcast today is get as much umami into your food as possible that can be as simple as a teaspoon of um, miso in your spaghetti bolognese you won't necessarily taste it but it will up the levels of umami in it it will play on the palate a little bit better um you know you can add marmite into your butter on your toast so things like that are those little tips that you get into everyday life because one thing we've learned a lot of in life kitchen is you can't reinvent the wheel for everyone because we all have our own habits and we all have our own things that we like yeah so it's about those things into our lives um and then you know the taste as well and texture like you said is an incredible part of it it's that little bit of crunch it's that little bit of sensation now we use a really key thing called the trigeminal nerve in life kitchen which doesn't sound you know sounds a really bit too technical but all it means is that the nerve you have between your eyes and nose and your mouth comes up from the side of your face like this just on the side of it and it's what burns when you have too much horseradish or mustard uh-huh. and you know you feel it in the bridge of your nose yeah. and um, that's called the trigeminal nerve and things that stimulate that are horseradish mustard wasabi mint cinnamon and what's really good about that is you can add those things into your food and even if you're not tasting it you can get the sensation and yeah. if you connect back to the dish it psychologically says this dish is giving me something and it wow. begins kind of build this bridge between you and food um yeah. so there's tons of things that we do um th- it sounds complicated but it's not it's really simple yeah. put some miso in your spaghetti bolognese and have some mustard and, yeah. and you can <laughs> no, but, but that's really interesting you saying about it sort of stimulating certain nerves and things because that is part of the thing i remember what years ago um uh, my hu- husband's mum said we were living overseas and she came over and we had some curry and she said oh look i think i'm a I, i'm she's a, a proper sort of english lady you know and she she said i think i'm allergic to chili and i said really what happens to you when you have chili and she said well i get kind of hot and my face gets a bit flushed and i was like well that's kind of the effect that it has on everybody you know that's not an allergy that's the reaction and that is the thing that is why you enjoy that there is a thing isn't there like when you have a hot curry or something where you go oh it's that that taste of it and it's really weird you say about mushrooms because um we've been vegetarian for about about 25 years now maybe a bit more about 25 years and we use I don't know what our supermarket thinks because we use so many mushrooms as an alternative to meat because one because of the texture it gives you a, a bite you know that um you can cut it up in ways to to make it have a bite like meat but also I quite often dry cook um like wild mushrooms down so that I get a really strong intense umami taste to the food that we have because obviously I can't use like beef stock cubes and you know things like that so that's really interesting you say about that um so just talk about your book how did that come about um well the first one Life Kitchen uh, I basically at 20 I started Life Kitchen when I was 24 I'm 29 now um at 25 I won what's called the Observer Food Monthly Awards which are the Oscars of the food world and I just in the best ethical food project category and the next day I woke up with six book offers from six of the biggest publishers in the world um it was 
it was crazy. It was literally, I mean, I was already speaking to publishers because we've been doing these cookery classes. And I thought, well, how do we compile these recipes? And I thought, well, obviously a recipe book is the most obvious one. And I went out there and I spoke to a few of them and we had these meetings and nothing was massively coming of it um, until I won the awards. And the next mm. day I had a huge amount of offers and Bloomsbury um, offered my childhood, you know, Harry Potter. I was a Harry mm. Potter kid. Yeah. It's, it's and I remember Bloomsby published them and I just thought my mother would never forgive me if I didn't go with the Harry Potter publishers yeah. so I, <laughs> when I said look I'd love to do it with you and it was a two-year process to write my first book you wow. know like got my favorite pop stars when they're like oh it took two years to write the album you're like how does yeah. it take years but it does it takes forever to get these things yeah. together because you know, as much as it was my recipes, there's so many people who work on these things. Yeah. Um, the book, it was Kim and I, three months away in a, in a cottage. My friend loaned me her cottage in the countryside. It was idyllic. And we locked ourselves away. And we got a delivery from Tesco every four days of new food. And we just cooked and cooked and cooked and trialed them. We run to eight, no, 100, and then we took 100 of them to the Maggie's Cancer Centres right the way across the country, and we did what's called the Refine the Recipe Tour, where we refined the recipe with cancer patients. Did it work? Did it need more of this? Did it, you know, a little bit of tweaks here and there? And we bought it. We've shot it, designed it, published it. came out 5th of March 2020. I launched it on The Rain on ITV, and it became the number four best-selling book on Amazon that day in the whole country which was incredible um and then went on to do saturday kitchen and all of the big cookery shows which was incredible i'm just a boy from a council estate in sunderland that yeah. had an idea um and then yeah then a week after that there was a global pandemic and everything went away and i went from being the, the hot it boy in food to nothing yeah. and it was yeah. terrible because life kitchen is a non-profit and all of our you know survivorship was coming from me being able to do all these festivals and get paid for that and give them yeah. and I was like it's all gone away now yeah um, so for us we then turned to doing you know online classes like all of us did online support sessions all of that stuff during the pandemic and um and and then we kind of realized that we were in a weird position of being the world experts in 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 flavor when everyone started losing their taste for covid yeah. um so we wrote a book for that and we gave it yeah. away for free and and that ended up um doing 2.8 billion media hits worldwide and it was Amazing. the cover post and uh, you know i did fox tv in america and i did tv in canada and it all blew up all across the world and that was wild yeah um, and then since then we've gone on to do a lot um loads more free books because i am writing another big book with Bloomsbury, which comes out next year um but what I don't believe in is gatekeeping all of our stuff. So, of course, we have to sell some stuff eventually. But we've given away a lot of our resources, like more than we've yeah. sold, to be honest. Because that's yeah. important to me. You know, cancer is expensive. You know what? No one tells you that cancer is a rich person's game. It really yeah. is. Like, you have to have money to survive. And if not, you have to have a lot of great people who are going to support you. And that's yeah. an incredible place to be for so many people. So, yeah. We just released a new book called The Central Flavor. We partnered with the Big C, a cancer charity in, in sort of the north, south, southeast, southeast England. Had to think there. Um, <laughs> basically, we, give, we we launched that on TV as well, and that was all about 
cost of living recipes, stuff that we could do that was easy and simple. And the whole key to that book is back to what I just said to you earlier. It's miso. It's adding umami in there. Of course, miso isn't going to fix everyone's problems. Exactly. <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, the shelves of miso are going to—it's going to be like the new tomatoes. Miso is just going to disappear off the shelves now. You know what? Some people say to me that that's happened where they are. You know, when they've seen things. And a lot of people in the last few years haven't heard of umami, and then suddenly it's become a buzzword. Yeah. And I'd like to think we're partly responsible for that in some way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. So you've had, and this is an amazing success, and it's funny because as you were talking, um, my, my, sorry, it's like I'm talking about my family all the time, but my husband, um, he has long COVID, and so taste has been a massive issue for him. Um, and um, he used to he used to be the main cook in our house, actually, and, but since he's had long COVID, we've had to change that too. So it's interesting, you, there's the, the, the parallels there between um, some cancers and people who have, have got long COVID or are going, are going through COVID. And there's a kind of a second wave actually happening at the moment with COVID. So the recipes then, you know, from what I've seen, they look absolutely fantastic. But they they're, they're not just for patients, are they? They're not just they're there for anyone and everyone. It was talking specifically here now about the sort of the cancer ones. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, all of the flavour that we put into them is about... Um, if it's good for people who are living with cancer, it's good for their families too. I mean, it just means it's extra tasty and extra yeah. delicious. And who doesn't want that? You know, no. it's really, we've always designed the recipes around people getting home, you know, cooking for their families around the table and nobody feels left out and nobody feels it's special. It's yeah. just bloody delicious. Yeah. And I that's think good. that's what you can do. In, if that's what you can do in life, then you should, you know, you should keep it normal. You should keep it simple and nearly all of life kitchen recipes are so simple we try not to overcomplicate things Kim and I fight all the time when we're writing about it because she <laughs> loves longer recipes and I'm like no no we're getting rid of that we're getting rid of that we're cutting it down yeah and we try to very much keep on the on the simplicity scale because everything is daunting when you don't know it at first and yeah. I think losing some taste is daunting then trying to get it back is the whole process yeah and no, we just and like, you, like you said with your nan, like even getting used to eating again is hard. You know, if you if you've fallen out of the habit yeah. of eating and cooking, that is really hard to get back into that. Um, and I think those sort of simple where you look at it and go, I actually could do that. You know, I actually have got those ingredients and I could do that in my house. That's a massive part of enticing people um, to start cooking. That I want to talk to you before we go about you were talking about your online workshops, but I know you run a cookery and is it an actual cookery school as well? So yeah, tell us a bit two, about that. We've got two. We've got one in London, um, which we we partner with another charity on here, um, and I've got a flagship one in Sunderland, um, which is where I'm from. But um, you know, we also are going back on tour this year, so we're going to be travelling the whole country. And we're going to be doing pop-up cookery classes. They're free for people with cancer and their families. Like they've always been since day one. That was always my thing. That everything we did um, that was kind of direct to the, to the person was free. Um, and it's kind of a sort of it, exactly what we were just talking, saying two seconds ago. It's about the first recipe is about showing people how we can entice them back into eating. And then the second are, are two different recipes that they can do as well. So we will be coming to near you and I will make sure to let you know. And, and we'll send you the Good. details. Do let us yeah. know. And we would love to do something with you on one of those. We definitely of would love to. Of course. So, we get tell people how they can get hold of your books. Um, where is the best place to go to get hold of them, Brian? 
Um, the main Life Kitchen one is probably best at Amazon or Waterstones. It's called Life Kitchen Recipes to Revive the Joy of Taste and Flavour. Um, any of our free resources, you can go to lifekitchen.co.uk. You can um, download the PDFs of the books. I think there's some physical copies of some of them left, but PDF you can get instantly. Um, you can find us on social media and, yeah, just keep an eye out on sort of TV and online. We've I've got a recipe column in the Northeast in one of the newspapers, so there's new recipes coming out from me a couple of times a month online, which are free to everyone. And, yeah. We'll make sure that there's um, plenty of stuff available as the year goes on. And, and of course, the tour that we've got coming up. And I'm pretty sure, uh, according to my manager, Harriet, I'm appearing at a lot of festivals this, this summer. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be pretty much everywhere. Do you know, it's so it's so lovely to speak to you. Genuinely, it is really nice to speak to you. And I have to just tell you this as a mum and as someone who's old enough to be your mum. Your mum would be so incredibly proud of what you're doing. She would be I'm getting tingles thinking about it because I'm proud of you. Your mum would be so proud of the sort of legacy that she's left with you to do this for people and your generosity of your spirit, sharing your creativity. She would be incredibly proud. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing because it is so bloody good. It's really good. Um, and we're really excited to be working with you. I'm really, really thrilled. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Please share this to help raise awareness. And if you'd like any further information about head and neck cancers, do visit our website, hncf.org.uk.